Hey guys, and uh, welcome to another Make It Stack podcast, uh, episode two. Episode two. Episode two, I know. Uh, we've had a bit of issues with, uh, <laughs> with sound this, this time around. We've had issues with sound, haven't we? Yeah, I think, I think we will sort it eventually. I just think that it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a learning experience figuring out what the hell's going wrong with so much audio equipment. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, we like to think of ourselves as, Knowing a bit about stocks, but uh, we definitely don't know much about sound engineering. I'm not so sure I know too much about stocks, but <laughs> yeah, um, no, for sure. But I'm sure we'll figure it out, I think. Yeah. Cool. So last week we left it off that we're going to kick this week off with a um, an introduction into how to start, essentially start from scratch, getting into retail investing, managing your own money. Um, and yeah, and so I think... Probably firstly, what's best off is for you to give a kind of general introduction, general introduction as to how you would recommend going from zero to having some money in the markets. Um, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really sort of broad question. Um, I think for me, like you can kind of break down the process into sort of three key elements. So the first element is having an awareness actually of, of an issue or, or a problem that you're trying to solve. And that, that is essentially having the awareness of the fact that investing your money can yield over the long term much higher returns than, than it would in your bank account. And um, I think a lot of people, um, myself included actually, like when I was younger, kind of thought that they'd be doing um, a good thing by just simply having loads of money in a savings account. Uh, excuse me if you hear the dog in the background, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, a lot of a lot of people think that um, simply saving money uh, in a bank account is is a good uh, thing to do. Um, but as I said, if you have a long term time horizon, um, investing investing money uh, is is better. So people need that that awareness. Um, and then I guess like the second sort of thing is to have. Have sort of the confidence, um, you know. You, again, you need to think about your investment strategy and um, sort of feel like you have enough conviction to actually go ahead and pull the trigger, uh, which is which is the final step, which is actually taking the decision to open up a, a an account with a with a broker and actually putting money into the market. So that that was very much a, a whistle stop. Uh, yeah. kind of explanation and I know I didn't sort of talk about my experience but that's kind of how I'd summarize it yeah so I guess if you're coming into this and you've got a um, an amount of money which is kind of sat in some sort of building society thing yeah uh, you don't need access to it now um, it's kind of inheriting some savings whatever um, then yeah I mean I guess it's kind of going from there and how you move from that uh, sort of low interest rate to putting it into the market and uh, what the way you spread your money and that kind of thing and so it's kind of those first few, the first few steps uh, into kind of getting exposure I think we're going to sort of talk about today um, yeah yeah I mean like from my from my personal experience like I um, was fortunate enough to have a bit of inheritance so I had like several several thousand that was 
being held in like um like a trust account with a building society and um you know when i was um gave to university um i knew i knew it was there but i i didn't really have have the knowledge to actually know that you could invest it in in a portfolio of shares or bonds or whatever that would that would say yield or sorry return like on average nine percent i think like the s p over the last hundred years has got an annualized return of about nine percent um and you know i you know i i thought at the time that you know a building society you know sounded sounded fine but it's only when actually you start to educate yourself and take the time to read about these things that you can really start to make more informed decisions and i feel like a lot of people nowadays kind of or, or maybe throughout history have actually you know, fall into a category where they're, they're not really sure, so they don't really do anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I think, I think also potentially what might cross people's minds is that if you've got, say, a thousand pounds and um, you put it into a, an index track and you get the average, say, FTSE 100 return over the past 10 years, which is like whether it is six or seven, eight percent, yeah, that's like you know, 60 quid. It, you know, 70 quid, 80 quid. And it's like, oh, I've got to leave it in there for a whole year and that's what I'm going to get. And so it doesn't feel that attractive. I don't think you're like, if you're looking at it from a sort of non-investment point of view, you're kind of like, oh, so I might make 60 quid, but I'm, I'm risking a thousand pounds. And so, I don't know. I think that does definitely cross people's minds. Mm. Um, I know uh, Ferg, our little brother, is this is kind of, he was, he kind of has said that, I think, before um, about, kind of investing it's like you know you've got a small amount of money and it does relatively well or there's like you know does the average well uh, compared to to normal returns you don't make that much money okay cool so we had a, a little bit of a technical issue with the um with the audio we've whacked out the cable and missed the next five minutes but i think what we were talking about was uh we were talking about the, um, you know, having money in the market, making a return on a on a semi-small amount, but not an insignificant amount of money, like a thousand pounds is a lot, and, and making six quid over the course of a year is like, oh well, that's not, you know, that's not that great. Mm. But I think w- what I was saying was that I think what you need to sort of consider as is kind of putting money aside and saving money, in that respect, um, and yeah, because if you're putting away a hundred quid a month, then yeah so i think it's just sort of putting in the process putting in your kind of habitual saving into um habitual saving is is where you know you can really make and sort of save and do really well i think yeah yeah definitely i think i think like it's important that people have that discipline to make a series of of decisions that, that really will benefit them so like the quickest win for me if I'm talking to anyone is to basically get them to set up like a direct debit going into their ISA because because first of all it removes the emotion of actually adding money yourself and placing a trade yeah because I feel like a lot of people as you were saying before if you're quite risk averse you might not know whether now's a good entry point you might think oh the market looks a bit high or you know like COVID-19 is just like screwing everything so that might put you off but with a direct debit and an automatic investment instruction that is completely taken off the table 
And, yeah. and also, what's more is the fact that because you're investing a given amount of money every month, you're going to benefit from pound cost averaging. Yeah. Where, where basically when the, when the prices are higher, you're buying fewer shares. So it kind of lowers your average cost. Yeah. And that, and that, that for me is, is, is really important. And, and you'll, you'll read about that. I mean, there's news articles all over investment platforms with marketing that talk about the benefit of pound cost averaging. So, it's, it's, so a direct debit is probably one of the best things anyone can do, regard, regardless of their interest in investing. Yeah, so I think kind of what this basically says that if we're saying if you're coming from if you're coming from scratch, how to get into investing as a retail investor who doesn't know that much, I think what we're kind of saying is that you um, open up a broker brokerage account, if that's right, and then you add um, your essentially your current savings that you can afford to add, and then um, and then set up a direct debit of an amount of money which you can afford to save for the sort of save in the medium term exactly that's kind of so then, well, that, if, you, if you if you jump through those hoops then you're kind of all set um on, on yeah in a kind of relatively basic way yeah yeah no, i i i get that um and I, I think i think the so so that that's kind of the basic mechanics around adding money and habitual things you can do but i guess i guess the next key stumbling block is actually choosing the investments as a retail investor because if, if you are um someone who's young and experienced and, and is, is new, new to the game yeah you've got a plethora of options out there and all these different fund managers want to show you how good their fund is um and, and obviously you've got all these options yeah. of buying shares not just in the uk but overseas too. Mm. So, like, yeah, like you, you're you're pretty new to it, as am I. Like, what sort of key decisions did you think about, or yeah, what what did you think about to to choose your level of risk and and the yeah. investments out there? Because there's such a massive choice. Yeah, um, and I guess it's kind of a relatively personal thing, but I think it's if well for me it was kind of like. Uh, I was willing to be semi-risky. I wanted a diversified portfolio, which had a global exposure to different industries. So essentially, it's just like super diversified. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I did. Um, and I decided to get in at a time when the market was kind of uh, lower than it had been, just as a result of uh, coronavirus and stuff. And so kind of spreading it out and going to different industries, different sectors, different geographical exposures etc just kind of felt right and it felt, yeah kind of fitted my risk appetite um and so yeah because i don't yeah because that's kind and, of I, and i guess i guess we've seen you know since q1 this year like equity markets have like they they tanked like they tanked in yeah in like mid-march and um i think there was actually an article uh about six months ago maybe a year ago it was basically speculating whether the FTSE 100 would actually hit 10,000 points or 5,000 yeah. points first. Uh, and this yeah. is when it was about 7,500 and um, it, it actually touched 5,000 points. So, do you, yeah, so like, I remember like talking to you about this when you look at Allocate and the markets were falling. Do you feel like seeing the markets fall so much, do you think that actually added to your confidence because you knew you were actually going to buy more shares for your money yeah. or did it actually yeah. detract? Because I think it could go either way yeah, for someone, couldn't it? And I think part, partly... Because I know there was a kind of quite famous 
I'm gonna get this wrong, but there's a um, there's a stock market crash in the US where you know things dropped by twenty percent or fifty percent or something, and then loads of people put their money in, and it dropped again and just like, absolutely tanked in like the twentieth century. Mm. Um, as Sam was saying, friend of mine was saying. Yeah. And, um, and so it's kind of like just because the markets have gone down doesn't mean they're not going to go down further. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know, it just kind of was like, I was kind of to and fro, but this was, this was kind of when the markets performed massively well for a really long period of time and that everyone kind of, it kind of, when you're speaking to people that kind of know what they're talking about, kind of don't really know what they're talking about. It's <laughs> like, oh, is there going to be a recession? It's like a recession and this, that, and the other. And I was like, me. Mm. So I just held off and luckily I held off because it meant I was able to buy more at least um yeah I was able to buy more compared to that time if I got in at the same time. Yeah, de- definitely. And and also like when when markets are in free fall, um, you know, cer- certain investments like investment trusts specifically that, that can trade at premium or discount actually go they actually get discounted to their yeah. net asset value. So it means that as, as as an investor, say say you've got a lot of cash you're sitting on. Yeah. You could actually like if you if you pick the right moment, you could actually snap snap up the shares in the investment trust at a discount, yeah. which kind of which which does sort of um, stand you in good stead for 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 a rebound. But again, I I think that it's 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 such a tiresome activity to just constantly worry about market timing. Yeah, and I, I mean you are right because like obviously I had no idea if I was getting in at a good time or a bad time or whatever. So it was just like. Yeah, I don't know, it just kind of felt right. And I, I know mm. a guy called, um, one of these uh, big chief investor dudes, what's his name? Um, also like Carl Icahn or something. Is that right? Maybe not. No idea. Anyway, he was just, he basically said, um, buy when no one else wants to buy and sell when no one else wants to sell. That was kind of what he said. And it was kind of an interesting point, just like, you know, when the markets were really low and like everything was looking at bleak, um, mm. I bought, and you know, in the short term, it's turned out to be a good decision. Whether or not it's going to play out in, you know, I don't know, we'll see. But that's kind of was the, yeah. you know, I didn't really know. And you don't really know, <laughs> but it just kind of felt right at the time. And Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, pretty sure John D. Rockefeller said you should, block, well, you should buy when there's blood on the streets. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he managed to make himself a few bucks. Um, so, yeah. Not to be taken literally. What, to live by. <laughs> Yeah. And then again, like Warren Buffett saying, you know, be be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. That's an interesting one. All, all these billionaires are just telling you to buy when no one else is buying. Shit, yeah, but to, to be honest, actually, like to kind of billionaires aside, for for pretty standard individuals with standard salaries, you're not really going to be sat on that much excess cash, really. No. So you know, it's not like. It's not like you've got a several grand in your bank account just just sat, sat there idle and and you want to sort of allocate it to to take advantage of some market downturn. Like yes, if you're super rich, you you'll, you'll have those opportunities yeah. to snap up like really good opportunities um, that, that, that come by when when there's like market dislocations and stuff. Yeah, but it's a good but, opportunity for you if you. I mean, I know you're not be sat on excess cash, but you probably will be sat on. Well, maybe not, but you might be sat on some excess cash. Yeah, which, you know if you're particularly inclined to, you could put it into the market when there's like a it's like twenty percent discounted on what it was before, like we've seen the coronavirus. Yeah. And so like, you know, that doesn't mean it's gonna be a good investment, but you know, it might be a good investment. And so it's you know, it's something to think about because if you can get twenty percent back over the course of how many months, whatever, it might make sense. But yeah. I can we kind of off, off 
we're kind of timing the markets and it's, it's yeah which you know which i'm not saying that you should try and do um yeah but i kind of have said that uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah I, I i feel like i feel like timing the market only really applies when you yeah as i said have loads and loads of money and you think you feel like you're a skilled investor yeah but no i don't think you need loads of money because loads of money to one person is not that much to money, and then a lot not that much is a load to somebody else so it's kind of like you know if you've got a thousand pounds you know that's not an insignificant amount of money by any means and so you know i don't think it's a yeah. case of but then you're not going to just like sit, leave yeah. that in your network savings until like the market takes a shit yeah it's just not going to go but, well for you but the thing is like I feel like I feel like this is maybe slightly unrelated, but like if you if you try and time the market, you've got to, You've got to get two decisions right. So so the first is if you're already in the market, when do you sell, right? And then the second decision is when do you buy back? Yeah. So you got you got two you got two decisions you got to make, and you got to make them right to actually make money. And for a lot of for a lot of people, a lot of brokers, you'll incur. Transaction transaction costs yeah. to, to to do that, um, and also if you're buying funds, chances are they're forward price, so there'll be time delays in in like liquidating your positions and then getting back in. Yeah. So it it just makes it so hard. I get I guess that's that's more of an issue for people that already have money in the market rather than rather than yeah, newcomers. But again, yeah, if you are, we are a bit off topic, but yeah, nice organic organic conversation. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's kind of what we're saying. The key takeaways are. If we just kind of bullet point what we think, coming from not being in the market to sort of being having some investment exposure, and mm. um, what do you reckon? It almost like a kind of a bullet point to guide to, to the way we've done it to how you would do that if you were wanting to get into into it, but you don't necessarily know at the start. Well, I think the fir- the first thing to do is to gather as much knowledge as you can. So you know, listening to listening to podcasts. Um, you know, speaking to family and friends that have a proven record, who who are, who are experienced, like, you know, don't speak to anyone who may have a conflict of interest, you know, you so know, for it. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a whole other kettle of fish that we're probably not going to dive into today. Um, yeah. So don't, don't speak to anyone with a, con- with, with a conflict of interest. So, um, step, so step one, gain knowledge. Yeah knowledgeable you know re-listen watch as much stuff as you can uh we appreciate that you know not everyone's gonna be that bothered about freaking but if you're listening to this you obviously are so yeah that's true actually so yeah so gain as much knowledge as you can from you know people that know stuff about it and then your next step i think would be to open a um an account a yeah account. yeah and then and then step three is to so few, sorry just sorry. So yeah a few a few Ones that we so we're both on Harvey, the Harvey Talent platform, but you could go on to I know Invest Tech do one. Um, AJ Bell, Charles Stanley. AJ Bell. There's so Les loads of either. Yeah, so just have a look around, shop around a little bit, see what sort of floats your boat, and then um, and then open one up, jump through the hoops, and then get an account. And then, so let's say you've got a small amount of money to chuck in to kick things off, which you know people are looking further, people are living at home, people probably save money. 
know, you've been furloughed and you're saving money. Well, you've got, yeah, you've taken 20% pay cut and you're not able to commute, not able to eat out, you're probably living at home with your parents, so you're just pretty cushy. I don't know, maybe not, maybe not, but... I don't think everyone in the furlough category is uh, well, has got financial security, but but yeah, anyway. True, true, true. Okay, so you haven't been furloughed, but you're saving money on the Northern Line, so everyone's a winner. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so... And then you've got to put it in and you've got to figure out how you're going to allocate it. Um, so that's probably a slightly daunting thing to think about. Um, but as we have said, and we both got similar portfolios, and I don't know, it kind of seems like a sensible option for you know, someone on a, on a, with a similar risk appetite and on a kind of similar length of reserves would be to kind of get global exposure using funds um, in different sectors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean... In terms of in terms of gauging your risk appetite, there's loads of questionnaires that you can do online. So I'm pretty sure Nutmeg yeah. have one. There's there's countless others that basically ask you a series of questions like, how would you feel if your portfolio fell by twenty yeah. percent? What would you do if your portfolio um, went down by twenty percent? Would you buy more? Would you sell? Would you do nothing? Things like that. There's there's loads of other other sort of questions that, that, that they phrase, and basically they churn out uh, a result. Um, which sort of goes from low to high risk. And that could be really easy for someone who doesn't know because risk is a subjective thing, even to the individual. Like one individual might think that taking a certain decision isn't risky, but to another person it is. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so that, figuring that out in your own figuring, head. Figuring that out, figuring that out. And um, that, that that's something that, that you should consider. And then as we touched upon before, um, figuring out um, how much money you can afford to put away every month yeah uh, that manages your you know manages your cash flow so you, you're not actually going to be compromising your your bank account so that you can't make make payments um i mean that kind of that's kind of pretty obvious but we just thought we'd, we'd state that anyway because that, that is a, a key consideration yeah so i guess in that's yeah so if your risk appetite well i don't know do spell this out but we don't know yeah, so you've got to figure out where you're at in terms of that, and then you need to tailor your portfolio mm. to um, accommodate your risk. Yeah, appetite. definitely. And um, yeah. And then sort of what one one final thing that we've, we've kind of haven't touched upon really, but is important is that loads of these companies do offer ready-made portfolios. Uh, so yeah. so again, that is something that really allows people to take a back seat. So if, if you if you're say someone that like wants to get into investing but is lacking confidence, you can put it, your money into a uh, medium risk uh, ISA with say Nutmeg for example. Yeah. And actually myself, I did that when I opened up my first auction shares ISA with NatWest Invest, and I went for a medium to high risk one. Yeah. Uh, because that's what I felt comfortable with at the time. Yeah. And um, and there's lots of high level information mm. about previous performance that that you can read. Just to familiarise yourself with 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 the product, yeah. but again, I'd, I'd definitely recommend that for someone that's lacking lacking uh, conviction. Yeah, and so then once you've done that, you've got your portfolio. You've already made off the peg of portfolio. You've got your own portfolio that you've put together, which kind of fits in line with your appetite for risk and your kind of sentiments about the market. Then it's a case of probably figuring out uh, how much money you can set aside every month, um, reasonably yeah. to top that up. Um, and then kind of just, you know, rolling, rolling with punches from there. And I think, you know, if you nail all those things, you probably will be all right, I imagine. And you kind of, yeah. you're, you're off and you know, you're going to learn more and read more and gain more um, knowledge about the whole thing. But that yeah. kind of is a good place to start, I'd say. Yeah, def definitely.
Definitely. And, you know, I'm sure you'll agree with this, Joe, but when, when you have money in the market, that kind of forces you to become more interested in the industry and you're, you're checking yeah, the markets yeah, and you're, yeah, you're, you're, sort of, you're, you're sort of soaking in the vibes. Um, and vibes. Yeah, well, sometimes it's good vibes, sometimes it's uh, sketchy vibes. It's certainly vibes. was back in March. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's a good thing, you know, you need some skin in the game. Um, I feel like we've kind of rambled on uh, a bit about yeah. that, but ho- hopefully, hopefully yeah, you've managed to digest some pieces of useful shrapnel to help you on your journey. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but that was, that was, that was good. Good chat. So that is making stacks, getting into retail investing for dummies. Definitely. Again, only just scratched the surface, got so much more to talk about. I feel yeah. I feel like we're we're kind of jumping all over because we just have we have so much to talk about. But uh Yeah, well, yeah. no, but I think that was um, you know good one. Nice. Thank you for watching team. Um yeah, tune in hopefully next week and we can get the audio gear sorted. Um, <laughs> for, oh no. Uh, I mean, home serve your your yeah, your your uh, your dummy analyst view on dummy. Richard Harpin's industry. Yeah, exactly. Tune in, tune in, tune in for that. For some uh, insider information. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers, guys. Yeah, bye.